Welcome to another episode of PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Soboleski. And today, hot off the presses, I'm going to be talking about acute flaccid myelitis. This is something you may have heard about in the news based on a spike in cases of this rare but serious disease from the CDC. The simple definition of acute flaccid myelitis is acute onset of focal limb weakness and an MRI showing a spinal cord lesion restricted to the gray matter that spans one or more vertebral segments. These are confirmed cases. Or if you don't have an MRI, but you have CSF with pleocytosis, then you have a probable case. In the circumstance, pleocytosis is defined as CSF white blood cells greater than five cells per cubic millimeter. The protein may or may not be elevated. Over 90% of the cases reported this year have occurred in children under the age of 18 with the average age of four years. And even though this is rare, with an estimated risk of one in a million, this is sure to make parents feel anxious as we head into flu season. In recent years, the cause was thought to be due to outbreaks of enterovirus D68. This year, other strains of enterovirus, along with rhinovirus, have been among causes identified in children. There have been no positive tests in the U.S. for poliovirus or West Nile, which is good, I guess. The main symptoms that should make you worry about acute flaccid myelitis include the sudden onset of arm or leg weakness and a loss of muscle tone and reflexes. Note that this is similar to Guillain-Barre, and it's actually in the same kind of family of illnesses. You may see facial droop and weakness, difficulty moving the eyes with drooping eyelids, or trouble swallowing or slurred speech, which indicate problems with bulbar function and should clue you in that this child is an impending airway issue and concern for respiratory failure. So in the kid with the acute onset of weakness, you're going to want to take a thorough history and do a very detailed neurologic examination, including ascertaining a sensory level if you can. Patients that are able to cooperate should have NIF or negative inspiratory force and vital capacity measured with a respiratory therapist. Children with suspected AFM should obviously be admitted to the hospital. This is one of those situations where if you have a pediatric neurologist available, you should consult them and have them examine the patient as soon as possible. Though MRI is diagnostic, many children under the age of five or six will require general anesthesia in order to hold still. This obviously is problematic if the child is developing bulbar or respiratory muscle weakness. ABCs come before MRI. The same caveats hold true for performing a lumbar puncture. You shouldn't curl a kid up into a ball if they've got difficulty swallowing or phonating because this is an airway disaster waiting to happen. The LP can wait until it is safe. Per the CDC, ICU admission is warranted in cases of AFM if you have respiratory muscle weakness, as demonstrated on the clinical exam, with hypoxia or hypercarbia, a forced vital capacity less than 15 to 20, a negative inspiratory force less than 30, impaired airway protecting, altered mental status, any autonomic instability, cervical lesions on the MRI, or a rapidly progressive course. Management centers around respiratory and hemodynamic support. Children may experience neuropathic pain. and should be aware of the risk of DVT in the immobilized child. Per the CDC, there is presently no indication for the use of corticosteroids in the treatment of acute flaccid myelitis. The immunosuppressive effect may make things worse by increasing the risk of infection. 
In a small series of cases from Cambodia, AFM caused by enterovirus 71 had worse outcome in patients used with corticosteroids. IVIG, though generally safe and well-tolerated, is expensive and does not yet have evidence supporting its widespread use in AFM. Other interventions that don't necessarily have support in the literature include antivirals, plasmapheresis, and interferon. So right now, general routine clinical management and aggressive respiratory support are the hallmarks of management, and early consultation with a pediatric neurologist or other specialists can help decide on targeted management if warranted. Overall, fortunately, the risk of acute flaccid myelitis is incredibly rare. But in my experience, when conditions like these make their way into the mainstream press, they generate quite a bit of anxiety. So it's important to know about them and to be able to differentiate other causes of weakness from this rapidly progressive disease. Remember that making the diagnosis requires demonstrating the acute development of flaccid paralysis along with MRI lesions largely restricted to the gray matter spanning one or more spinal segments. Supportive but not as diagnostic for a probable case of AFM is acute flaccid weakness in one or more limbs and CSF pleocytosis, which is white blood cell count greater than five cells per millimeter. No specific guidance exists as to how you should address a bloody tap with lots of red cells and how that affects the number of white blood cells. Suffice to say, if you're worried about AFM and you have lots of red cells, but you also have pleocytosis, then you should still admit that kid. Note that in the unlikely situation that you encounter AFM, this is a CDC reportable illness and guidance is available on their site. All right, well, that's all I've got for acute flaccid myelitis. As always, I'd welcome your feedback. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your content. Check out PEMblog for more great educational content and follow me on Twitter at PEMTweets. This has been Brad Sobolewski for PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. See you next time.